Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, everybody. I'm Crystal Heath. Today, we are talking about the conventions. We're going to talk about the Democratic convention. We're going to talk about the Republican convention. We are going to talk about the conventions. Perhaps not conventionally. Haha. But we will talk about the conventions. And, uh, you know, for those of you that have listened to this program for any amount of time, you understand that I love politics. You understand that I have taken kind of a step back. Some of my views and thoughts have changed over the years. I've been pretty involved in the political sphere, if you will, for, for most of my adult life. And, you know, it's just, it's a really weird time that we're living in. It really is just, it's hard to explain what's going on. It's hard to understand what's going on a lot of the times. And we have reached a place, I think, in our country. I was having a conversation with someone about this the other day. We've reached a place where, you know, we, 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 we think that opinions are facts. And opinions are presented to us as facts by the media, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on. Whether you prefer CNN or you prefer Fox News. You prefer MSNBC or you prefer uh, OAN. I, whatever it is, more often than not... Opinion is being presented to us as fact, regardless of the side of the aisle that you're on. And so we have reached a point in our culture where people believe that their opinions are indeed fact. But how do you remedy that? Because this is a widespread problem, not just in the media, but with people in general, regardless of which side of the aisle they're on. We believe that our opinions are fact. And then we go and we share opinions that we formed based on a meme that we saw. And so we, we post this on Facebook and we say things that may or may not be accurate, may or may not be true, may have a piece of truth or may not. And then we get into arguments and then you have all this stuff. And it's just, oh, it's so much. It's so much. And then when you add Corona on top of that, everybody's got kind of this hesitancy about life in general. But here's the key, guys. Whether you're on the left or the right or somewhere in between... At the end of the day, it's not about our opinions, which is, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to talk, I'm going to share a lot of opinions with you in this program today. The issue is, how do we differentiate opinion from fact? What is truth? That, the infamous question of Pilate, Pontius Pilate, what is truth? That question is so pertinent to our world and our culture today. Fake news is rampant on both sides, but I, I don't even think it's fake news so much as people presenting their opinion about something, right? And then, and, then, and then it's just like, where do you go back to? What is truth? Truth is found only with God. If you remove the foundation of the Bible, then you have no standard. You have nowhere to check your opinion. And if you are a Christian, then may I encourage you that all of your opinions should be run through the filter of whether or not your opinion lines up with what the Bible teaches. Not necessarily what a man says the Bible teaches, because there is a lot of diversity there, a lot of opinion there. But the non-negotiable truths of God's word. 
and there are a lot of them. That is where everything has to go back. And I say all that as a preface to what I'm about to tell you uh, with regards to my thoughts on the conventions. We're going to review them. Uh, for those of you that didn't watch, it'll kind of be a recap. For those of you who did, uh, it'll, it'll be you know, a refresher course for you. Um, some of you are going to think I'm off the rails. Some of you are going to think I'm too nice to Republicans and too mean to Democrats. Some of you are thinking I'm too nice to Democrats and too mean to Republicans. Some of you are going to just not agree with me at all, and that's okay. Because this is the United States, so we're allowed to disagree. We're allowed to have different opinions, right? So what I'm going to do is we're going to share the facts of what went down at the conventions, and I'm going to give my opinion about those facts. And that's what we need to remember as we interact with our world today. Are you sharing your opinion, or are you sharing an actual fact? It is very hard in today's day and age to just share a fact. <laughs> because then you're going to be fact-checked by somebody that's going to tell you you're wrong. And let me tell you something, okay? Fact-checkers are not unbiased. Every human being on the planet has bias, has prejudice, has predisposed opinions based on their upbringing, based on their personal beliefs, based on their preferences, based on their personalities, based on the media they consume, whether that be through TV, through books, through social media, whatever it could be. There is no such thing as an unbiased fact checker, okay? So just, just guys, be nice, right? You, you win more flies, or you catch, <laughs> you win more flies. Well, we could put it that way. You catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, okay? You, you don't need to be going out full blazed barrels and blasting everybody that you see everywhere that you don't agree with. You don't have to agree, but you don't have to put them on blast either, all right? So, so we're going we're gonna to go walk through these now. And hit me up, Twitter, Facebook. Find me there at The Frittle. Let me know where you agree, where you disagree, what you think of the podcast, if you have topics you'd like us to discuss in the future. Uh, next week, I'm going to be on vacation, so we will be replaying uh, my interview with Sean Hannity about his book, Live Free or Die, which I think is a very relevant conversation. And you know, we had a lot of fun with it, so I think uh, if you enjoy listening to me and or you enjoy listening to Sean, you might enjoy our interview. We have some fun back and forth happening, but... Okay, let's dive into the conventions. The Democrats went first, and this is going to sound like Dem bashing here for a minute, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be fair, okay? I, I watched much of both conventions. I didn't watch all of either one, quite frankly, because I just didn't have time for that because they're four-day-long conventions, and they last for hours at a time. And I don't know about you guys, but I have other things happening in my life, and I just can't sit down for a five- to six-hour window four days in a row and watch television. That's just... I can't do that. Maybe you did. But my overall take from what I saw from the Democratic Convention, and I saw a lot of it, I, honestly, I was disappointed. Not because their policies disagree with me, and they do, by and large, but the the production level. I don't get it. Like, Hollywood is so leftist. And if anybody wants to argue that, come at me, bro. But Hollywood is so left-leaning but the convention, I, I'm sorry, but it looked like a high school production. Like the, the video angles were weird. There was just like a lot of really awkward cringe. There was green screening and effects that just were, were not good. Like it was not well produced. Okay, it, was not, it just was not a good production. It didn't feel uh, professional. It felt like a weird Zoom call gone wrong. 
And I'm not being, I'm not trying to be dramatic or anti-Democrats when I say that. It just, the, the production aspect of it was just strange. But beyond the, the production elements, which I think it's kind of hard to get past that because we live in a culture where we're, we're so used to seeing wow when we watch TV that when you have not wow, it was, I don't, it was just, it was hard to watch. I felt it was hard to watch because of the lack of the wow factor. Maybe that's just me. But uh, AOC, of course, gave her delegates to Bernie Sanders. The DNC said that that was just for show and seriously, completely, like, totally normal. I have a different take there, but we'll save that for another time. Our own uh, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto of Nevada, in her speech, said, Mr. President, Nevada is not intimidated by you. America is not intimidated by you. We are united by shared values, shared history, and shared rights, including our fundamental right to vote. Um, okay. Last I checked, the president was not trying to take away our right to vote. He was trying to help Nevada make it easier for us to vote. And our own secretary of state who runs, you know, the elections has said that the, the voting and process person would make it, you know, more of a <laughs> easier for people to vote than having everybody mail in ballots and the potential issues that we would see there. Not that you wouldn't be able to access that if you wanted to, but that we could open up more in-person voting. So I'm not really sure what points she was trying to score there. Uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama released a video, or recorded a video rather, in advance that was played during the during the convention. Hers was one of the better productions, by the way. But uh, she said, I know Joe, of course, meaning Joe Biden, said he is a profoundly decent man guided by faith. He was a terrific vice president. He knows what it takes to rescue an economy, beat back a pandemic, and lead our country. And he listens. He will tell the truth and trust science. He will make smart plans and manage a good team and will govern as someone who has lived a life the rest of us can recognize. There's a lot relatable in there. I thought that Michelle was one of his best, uh, one of Joe Biden's best advocates during this convention. Uh, I, I wasn't sure where she was going with this whole he knows what it takes to beat a pandemic thing because I, I, I guess I missed that um, but I don't remember there being something like a worldwide global COVID-19 mysterious illness that we need to shut everything down for type virus in the past I just maybe I, I, I just don't remember that happening previously in the last 12 years through the prior administration. I know there were there were other diseases, but it was nothing to where we were like, oh my goodness, if we don't close everything down, the millions of people are going to die. I just don't remember that happening. But but I did think that she was, she was a, a high point for the DNC. President Clinton was another one of the many headliners at the Democratic National Convention. He said, at a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. There's only chaos. Just one thing never changes. His determination to deny responsibility and shift the blame. The buck never stops there. I, I didn't feel this was a good look for Democrats because this is coming from the man who said that it depends on what the definition of is is. Now you have to decide, Clinton continued, whether to renew his contract or hire someone else. If you want a president who defines the job as spending hours a day watching TV and zapping people on social media, he's your man. Instead, our choice is Joe Biden. Joe helped bring us back from a recession before, and he can do it again. Okay. Uh, if we wanted to cue the fact checkers, this would be a good place to do it. I mean, flash the red lights, sound the alarm. That, there's so much factual incorrection right there, but... Um, to, we, they have to try and ruin Trump's economic record because that is his strongest point. 
But Obama and Biden just cannot stop taking credit for the economy that, quite frankly, Trump has built. And you might say, no, they're talking about the one Bush left and that they built the recovery from. No, the problem was we never recovered from the economy that Bush left the whole time that Obama and Biden were in office. And not only with Trump in office did we recover, but he, quite frankly, blew the roof off the place. Check your 401k. I'm telling you, even despite corona, the economy is thriving under Trump. Okay, so that's just, I, I didn't think that Clinton, I thought there was just a lot with Clinton that I was like, this is not a good, not a good look. Another low blow uh, was A.D. Barkin. He's a progressive activist who works tirelessly uh, for Medicare for All, paralyzed as a result of Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, I mean, the, the guy is doing, uh, working literally tirelessly. Like, his work ethic is so admirable. Uh, but he addressed the convention and said, even during this terrible crisis, Donald Trump and Republican politicians are trying to take away millions of people's health insurance. With the existential threat of another four years of this president, we all have a profound obligation to act, not only to vote, but to make sure that our friends, family, and neighbors vote as well. So I, I tried to fact check his statement, but the simple fact is that you can't find that anywhere, that the president and Republicans are trying to take away millions of people's health insurance. I, I do remember when, you know, Obama and Biden said, if you like your doctor and your plan, you can keep them. And then we couldn't. But I can't find this thing where there is a widespread Republican uh, desire to take away health insurance from millions of Americans. I, I just I can't find it. Uh, he continued, we must elect Joe Biden. Each of us must be a hero for our communities, for our country. And then with a compassionate and intelligent president. <laughs> okay. People want to talk about name calling, but the, the backhanded name calling apparently is okay. But with a compassionate and intelligent president, we must act together and put on his desk a bill that guarantees us all the health care we deserve. Well, the only way that happens is when it's the free kind. And since this dude is the is a major advocate for Medicare for all, he's clearly talking about socialized medicine. So that was another one that I thought uh, was a low point for Democrats. Uh, of course, the convention culminated with Biden accepting his nomination. Uh, I thought it was the best speech that he's given in recent memory. Very compelling. He talked about learning dignity from his dad, which is another obvious dig at Trump, but a, a, but really a, a good, good lesson, something that our country uh, needs more of, is good dads that are investing in their family. So I thought that was a very, this was a strong point for him. He talked about uh, learning how to deal uh, with grief and with suffering. It was particularly poignant when he talked about the loss of his son. Uh, just a Really, really strong moments for him there. He seems very relatable. Uh, he praised former President Obama, who, by the way, that he broke all tradition to come out swinging against his predecessor, but I digress. We've never seen that before. For everybody that wants to talk about, well, we've never seen this before, they're disregarding everything that the past administrations have ever done. Well, there was a big one as well. Um, Biden also invoked former Representative John Lewis, uh, but I, I, I didn't really like that moment for him, not because it was Representative Lewis, who did uh, amazing work with, uh, with MLK and so on, but because in that moment, it seemed like that was his, uh, see, I'm not a racist because I worked with this guy. Um, and please forget about the fact that I said that poor kids could be as smart as white kids and that you can't go to a 7-Eleven without an Indian accident, a accent or, you know, the, all that stuff that Kamala uh, reminded us about with busing segregation. Forget about that. I'm not a racist because Representative John Lewis is my friend. So I just, it just, ah. I didn't like that part of his speech. It just didn't seem to flow well with the rest, even though overall I think the speech, again, was the best he's given in recent memory. But uh, he said that his life has culminated in this moment where he is 72 years old, 47 years of political service. 
I'm not sure that that was a great reminder, though, either, because it's kind of like he wants you to forget his moving speech and instead focus on the fact that he's one of the oldest creatures of and in the swamp, if that's the language you like to use. But, again, I digress, because overall, I thought his speech was, was really good. Uh... <laughs> Let me let me just give you one more, okay? Because not that I didn't agree with much of what he said in his speech. Like his his vision for America is different than mine, okay? What I'm saying is that as far as the Democratic Convention went, this was a high point. I thought it was one of his most excellent speeches, okay? But he did harp on one of the most deceptive themes that we're seeing this election, and that is that the president botched coronavirus and that it's somehow Trump's fault that you lost your job or your home or whatever else. In fact, uh, here in Vegas, we have a billboard downtown. This is the same thing. The president cost you your everything. No, uh, it wasn't your president who did these things, America. It was your governors, okay? G-O-V-E-R-N-O-R-S. They are the ones that have either shut down or not shut down, that have kept the ventilators, have not kept the ventilators, and we could go back and be like, oh, well, but he, Trump didn't send them, he was stockpiling them. Have you watched the press conferences in New York where they had literally boxes of medical supplies stacked up behind the governor? I'm sorry, but when push comes to shove, Trump is not dictating what your state can or cannot do. It is, in fact, your governor. Anyway. Uh, so Biden concluded with, with passion and purpose, let us begin, you and I together, one nation under God, united in our love for America and united in our love for each other. For love is more powerful than hate. Hope is more powerful than fear. Light is more powerful than darkness. Good stuff there. I was strong statement. Again, a good speech. Uh, he said he'll draw on the best of us, not the worst. I don't quite see that when you're supporting people looting and burning and rioting and essentially saying if they don't vote for you, then this is just going to continue. There was a, a recent interview he gave that was like, well, this is Trump's America, and if you want to see anything change, then Trump can't be the president anymore. So that's that just a weird way of saying that. But um, but by far, the highlight of the Democratic National Convention was this kid named Braden Harrington. He's 13 years old. He shared... a incredible story so powerful about how he had met joe biden on the campaign trail and how biden worked with him met with him privately for over half an hour after a campaign stop uh, to talk with him and work with him about overcoming uh stuttering which biden had all has also had to do he showed him how to uh, mark up a speech to make it easier to read so that it wouldn't be uh, there wouldn't be so many places for stuttering uh, and, and Biden just clearly has had a profound impact on this young man's life. And this was just, it was a great moment for Braden, a really fantastic moment for Biden. Uh, the first moment, I think, in the convention that really uh, humanized him and made him seem like the truly nice guy uh, alternative. A really, really good moment for Biden uh, with Braden and easily, easily the best moment of the convention. And, you know, somehow this kid uh, managed to make the Zoom call environment look good unlike essentially every other person except for Michelle that was involved in this convention, this kid was the bright spot. Okay? So those are some highs and some lows. Uh, overall, again, I, I think they lost a lot by not having it be uh, up to the quality that people are used to seeing on TV. And, you know, when we look at, well, was it, how did the, <coughs> excuse me, how did the convention go? Well, let's put it this way. Usually following the convention, whichever candidate's convention it just was, they will see a bump in their polling numbers. Post the Democratic National Convention, the, the convention bump went to Trump, not Biden. So that would suggest that people were not overly impressed 
shall we say, with the Democratic National Convention. This week, it's been the GOP's turn. Uh, They opted not to release an updated party platform. That was pretty big news. Going into the convention, instead they left in place the 2016 edition of the party platform. Uh, On one hand, I think that's a good idea. On the other, not so much. Like You want to have a, a plan, a proposal. You want to put forth some sort of an agenda. And the Republicans were just basically like, yeah, well, Trump is kind of our agenda, so we're just going to go with that. Uh, but they also kept in place 2016, so I, the, 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 the thinking and the thought that was put forward was that because we weren't able to get all the delegates there and there wouldn't be the input that there would usually be that they didn't want to create a, a new platform without having all of the representation. So whether that's an excuse or whether that's real... I, I, I can agree with that statement. I think it is good if you have all the representation there. But on the other hand, it's like, well, I feel like there was some way you could have probably put something together remotely, you know, kind of how we've all been working and figuring things out the last six months. But, you know, is it is what it is. I, I, I think that's kind of a nothing burger. It People tried to make a big deal about it, but after the first few hours of news coverage, nobody really cared. So um, that is what it is. Um Overall, though, the GOP convention in its production level just blew away the Democratic National Convention. Okay, I'm not talking about the content right now. I'm talking about the the Hollywood-esking of the convention. The GOP, just the way it was laid out, the presentation, uh, it was just, it was, it was so good TV. Like, it was laid out well. It was so good TV. Where does that sentence even come from? Uh, it was just it was presented so well um and then the the theme um whereas the democrats were harping on trump is bad trump is bad trump is bad and so you have kind of more the negative tone because that's that's what they're running on is that trump is bad um and that he hasn't been good and so this is the alternative you want instead uh the gop has the opportunity because they're the ones that control the white house to say hey things are good and from beginning to end, the GOP convention essentially said over and over again, this is America, we love our country, we believe in our people, we've done well before, we'll do well again. So you had more the spirit of optimism, hopefulness, um, you had God being invoked repeatedly over and over again by speakers. Uh, Kayla McElhinney shared this incredible story, said it was her and Jesus going into her surgery. Th- there was just so much inspiring stuff night after night. It, it, was, it was more of a feel good, like you, you felt good about life and about America, it made you want to live life again, right? Our country's kind of been at a standstill this year, and when you watch this convention, you were like, yeah, America, we can, let's do this again. You didn't get that feel, I didn't think, watching the, the Democratic convention, and I, I think a lot of that feel came from how the convention itself was presented. Yes, there were, there were great speakers, but just the presentation itself was really good, and then how they did uh, their different theme nights, really compelling stories uh you know our friend here in las vegas with hope for prisoners john ponder uh he was pardoned by the president gave such a a good speech um we saw our friends the the christiansons were in the front row uh for the vice presidential address on heroes night um and there were just there were so many good speakers there really was night after night the the speeches were done well they were delivered well not not all of them, but by and large, it was, I think, again, because the production was so good, it elevated the speakers. 
whether it was Kentucky's Attorney General, David Cameron, where did this guy come from? Like, he, I feel like, could be a rising star. Then you had Alice Marie Johnson and, again, John Ponder and this presentation of, hey, Trump's doing prison reform. You say you want this? Well, we're doing it. Um, and then you had David Dorn's widow. Oh, my goodness. Watch that if you haven't seen it. Abby Johnson, never before in my life, I don't think ever before in history, has the Republican Party taken such a stand uh, against abortion and putting Abby Johnson up front like she was Oh my goodness. Like, wow. Um, Tim Scott. Incredible speech. Jack Brewer? <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Nikki Haley said Obama, um, Obama and Biden let the United Nations denounce our friend in Ali Israel, but President Trump moved our embassy to Jerusalem, and when the UN tried to condemn us, I was proud to cast the American veto. Uh, she said that every single black life is valuable and that the country can do better. But, you know, because she's the daughter of Indian immigrants and she rejects the idea that the country is inherently racist and said it's a lie. America is not a racist country. Uh, she took a lot of flack for that, but she didn't say that there are no racists and that racism has been eradicated. She said that America itself is not a racist country. Another uh, big moment for Trump, super compelling, was uh, when Maximo Alvarez, the guy from Florida who has a business, um, he took the stage. He's the founder of Sunshine Gasoline Distributors. He fled Cuba at the age of 13 and just was there with a message of warning. Uh, he's talked about how the policies being pushed by prominent Democrats like free health care and defunding the police are false promises that sound familiar based on his personal experiences in Cuba. He said, I've seen moments like this before. I've seen ideas like this before. I'm here to tell you we cannot let them take over our country. I heard the promises of Fidel Castro, and I can never forget all those who grew up around me who looked like me, who suffered and starved and died because they believed those empty promises. And this guy was, whew, he was, I'm I'm telling you, there's just such, it was just, it was good. Like, they did a good job choosing who was delivering their speeches, and they presented them so well. <laughs> but then, then it got to Dan Crenshaw. Full disclosure, I love Dan Crenshaw. Like, I love this guy. If you don't know his story, look it up. The man is an American hero. <laughs> but the video of him in front of the tank... I felt like we were kind of back to DNC level production. Okay, now granted, it was it was this in your face America strong moment, but I just it uh, mm, no, I didn't I didn't think I thought it was a little bit little much. Like it's nope, don't need to <laughs> don't need to do that. Um, the low point, I think the the worst speech, and I'm not trying to be cruel here because I know he, he is a kid, but I think it was Nick Sandman, and I I just. To me, it wasn't up to par with the rest of the speakers. Um, and when you can contrast his address with Braden Harrington's for Biden, uh, Braden wins this thing by a mile. I mean, his content, Nick's content was spot on. And I, I think it's just that he needs more practice uh, with public speaking. He just looked very stiff, very uncomfortable. Um, and, and look, I'm trying to be fair. And granted, we talked about opinions and facts. And this is my show, so I give my opinion. And I'm trying to be fair here. Some of you don't believe it. Some of you stopped listening during my review of the DNC because I thought you thought I was being too inaccurate or too mean. And others stopped listening because you thought I'm an ever-Trumper who's letting them get away with stuff and painting them too nicely. But, you know, uh, that's cool. I'm about to send some of you right off the rails with this next thought of mine. And that is that, ironically, I thought the most forgettable addresses were from the candidates themselves. And I mean, Pence is just such a nice guy, but he lacks charisma. Again, great content, but more of a Bush style without the, the grin or the likability, okay? And again, 
I love Mike Pence. Like, honestly, I would have preferred Mike Pence to be president to the current president, okay? I, I love Mike Pence. I just don't think it was his best moment. Um, but he was light years better than President Trump because Trump was on a teleprompter, and it was, again, it was just stiff. It was calculated. Uh, there was, like, no inflection. It looked like he hadn't really read the speech previously, and it was just way too long. Like, so long. Oh my goodness. Fire the speechwriter. I'm just kidding. I don't believe in cancel culture, but can we have a conversation with the speechwriter? Because it was just too much. Was the content uplifting? Sure. Was it good content? Yes. Did it fire up his base? I, I don't know, because there was just so much of it. And we, <laughs> we no longer live in a time or a place where long speeches are effective. That's just the way it is now. And so his speech was just too long. And because it was too long, I think it's forgettable. Uh, but overall, the GOP convention, in its presentation and in its speaker lineup, overall, I thought, way outshone uh, the Democratic National uh, Convention. And tip of the iceberg, I mean, <laughs> the White House and the fireworks, they stole the show. Which, by the way, uh, side note, uh, don't wear a green dress when you're going to be on TV. Like, I loved Melania's dress. I saw her walking on the steps, I was like, ooh, I like that. I would wear that. But the thing is, when you wear a green dress, it's kind of like a green screen. And so now people are green screening stuff all over her dress. So just, it's just, just don't do that. But, oh my goodness. Now we can talk about whether or not you should have a, an acceptance speech or any part of a convention at the White House. And, and how that breaks from tradition and whatever else. But I'm, I'm not going to have that debate today because we simply don't have time. But, the White House itself... With all the flags, with the red carpets, with the stage. I mean, anybody stepping out into that is just going to look cool. Because that just looked so cool. And you've got Lee Greenwood's Proud to be American going as they come down the steps, around down to the platform, all the flags. And you're just like, wow. It was just, it was amazing. The White House looked amazing. And I don't care who the candidate was or what political party you're in. Any person stepping out into that and walking down those steps is just going to get a wow factor because the wow factor was there. And then the fireworks over the National Mall? Good grief! I feel like they spent like a year's worth of campaign funding just on the fireworks, but they were amazing! And they put, they put the words Trump and 2020 in the fireworks. Like they lit off fireworks that spelled Trump. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Like it was so impressive. It was such a production. And if you watch watch the side-by-side -side of the Biden fireworks and the Trump fireworks, and that'll pretty much sum up the two conventions and how they compared. The, 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 the GOP just took it way up on the production side. And the, it was like when you, when you compare the two, it's like the DNC just wasn't even trying. And I, again, that's not anything to do at all with the policy. It's just the way it was presented. And, and I tried to give you some highs and lows in the policy sides from both, um, and, and not, not even policy, but just the, how it was presented and what were good speeches and what weren't the best. But, you know, overall, I think that uh, from my perspective, I really struggled with w wondering if Trump and Biden could actually win this thing. But after 
seeing the conventions after watching Rand Paul uh, leave the convention and be harassed by people shouting, you know, say her name and that they want justice for uh, Breonna Taylor when Rand Paul is in fact the author of the the legislation that would, uh, he authored the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act, which would end the no-knock warrant process. It's just such an uneducated mob just going after this guy. And then when you see uh, an old guy getting hit and other old people getting uh, assaulted and so on. Like, it's just not... the. Until this week, I don't know that I would have felt confident saying that I thought Donald Trump could win the election. But now... I don't know. I think that it is very possible that Donald Trump could not only win the election, but that he could win big. And I I could be wrong about this, but I just think that people are going to be so fed up with those that are trying to get across a point, or or they just want to be part of a movement, but those that are trying to get across a point but are doing so with violence and hatred. I just don't think that America is going to embrace that. And then when you couple that with the presentation that the GOP put on, I mean, if if people watch both, I just don't know how you don't leave the GOP convention going, I want that. I I just don't. I, I and you know I know that I'm biased. We all have bias. And that's that's my opinion. But I think there are. You know, not only people that uh, that were like me, but there's people that were very much never Trump that have come around because of what's been going on and because of how the president has governed in the last four years. And Glenn Beck, during the convention, the final day of the convention, he tweeted and he said, I'm feeling so humbled this week. I feel truly horrible for the things I said and believed in 2016 about Donald Trump. I believed the worst politically, which he proved me wrong at almost every turn. In the most dramatic cases of life, Israel, China, and so on, I expected Donald Trump to take control federally at the first opportunity. Here we are in a massive crisis. Bush violated the free market to save the free market. Trump could have violated federalism to save federalism, and he has stood strong uh, through COVID. But let me cut to the chase. I believed he actually didn't care about people. When When Donald Trump called me after my father's death, I assigned the motive to politics, and I said so. What haunts me this week is how my words must have hit his children. How did I miss the sharpness of my judgment without consideration of family? Me, a guy who has lived it from his side. I wanted to end my interview with Donald Trump's son this week with a personal apology, who had spent 20 minutes with me as if we were old friends. But I didn't want to embarrass myself in the end and fail to do what was right, the right thing again. I don't regret my doubts or expressing my concern in 16, but the fact that I missed his humanity and was blind to his family, I said at the time, I hope I am wrong and will be the first to admit it, I did on air and personally to the president himself, but it was all about politics. I knew he loved his children and they him. What I failed to see is the reason I think they love him. Donald Trump is a loud New Yorker with a private heart. And he goes on, and if you want to see a guy making a complete 180, go look at Glenn Beck's Twitter feed for the past few days. And I know that those of you that are on the left are going to be like, oh, Glenn Beck, blah, blah, blah. And that's okay. I understand. But there are a lot of people like Glenn Beck in this world that weren't a big fan, but they're coming around. And when you have people 
sharing a video of a quote unquote protester. I don't. They're, they're not protesters when they're when they're being destructive. That's just, they're rioters. They're I think we could say pirates even. But you know, we have a video now of somebody that's throwing a trash can lid violently, like viciously, at a police officer. Knocks the officer unconscious. The officer's just trying to open the door to his patrol cars. Not by anybody. Not talking to anybody. Appears to just be getting into his vehicle. And somebody just nails him in the head with this trash can lid. And you have people that Captain America trended for hours on Friday because people were comparing this guy that threw this trash can lid uh, at an officer's head. When the officer's literally just getting into his car. <sighs> Hailing it as, oh, look at Captain America's back. Captain America's showing what he thinks about police. Well... You know, I, I hope that Chris Evans will say something about this. I, I don't really expect him to because he's very much uh, to the left. But, you know, if you watch the movie, Captain America said he doesn't like bullies. And somehow, I, I think if you have a person getting into a vehicle, regardless of what uniform that person may or may not be wearing, and somebody else nails them in the head with a trash can lid, I don't think the person getting hit with the trash can lid is the bully in that situation. I don't think the person throwing the trash can lid is a Captain America look-alike. In fact, I, I think it's kind of the opposite according to what Captain America would say about bullies. And uh, people are like, well, but, nah, but police brutality, police are the bullies, police are the bullies. That's, it's just, it's such a, I, I can't get into it today. We we did a four-part series uh, on this podcast before about race relations, and we we talked about the police brutality and things like that. So I, I can't rehash that with you today for the sake of time, but you can go back and listen to that if you would, if you would like to. Um, I, I But anyway, I, I think Trump can win this. And, you know, heaven help us if he does, because I think that the rioting will just skyrocket. Heaven help us if he doesn't, because... Uh, socialism, I think, is is right around the corner if Joe Biden and uh, and Kamala Harris are elected. And quite frankly, it just doesn't work. Freedom and socialism don't coexist. But right now, you, you can't really have that conversation because we're living in a time of mob mentality. When you see uh, Senator Rand Paul getting attacked on his way home uh, by people saying they want justice for Breonna Taylor from the very man that wrote the bill <laughs> that would prevent situations like that from happening in the future... And you have Joe Biden silent. You have leftists silent. I mean, how hard is it to say, you know what, we hate Trump too. We think he's a terrible president too. But how about if we don't take out our frustration on the elderly? How about if we don't burn down people's businesses? How about if we, how about if we you know, protest peacefully or something, you know? And for everybody saying, well, Trump isn't civil. Trump, Trump is a name caller. Trump, 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 we need civil discord. Well, I agree. We do need civil discord. But take around, people. Take around. Take a look. <laughs> take a look around, guys. The only civil you're going to see right now from the left in these situations is a civil that's about to create a civil war because one of these times, like we saw earlier this week, somebody being mobbed and attacked and everybody getting in their face is going to fight back. And then it's going to get ugly. It's going to get real ugly real fast. So I hope you're praying for your country and your fellow countrymen every day. I believe that one of these parties, 
has a platform and a candidate that by and large aligns with my beliefs for what America can and should be. And the other simply doesn't. You know, it is shocking to me how many Americans are willing and ready to embrace socialism, who are willing and ready to throw away our freedoms. And, you know, it's time that we who believe that the idea of America, that freedom itself needs to be defended, that we stand up and we share truth and that we do so in love. Don't take a back seat, guys. Stand up for what is right, even if you stand alone. Your country, your community, your children depend on it. And remember... No matter how many people are screaming, yelling, or what they're saying, their opinions don't matter. The fact matters. And the only way to build facts, the only way to test our opinions, is by a fundamental source of truth. Or I should say by the fundamental source of truth, which is the Word of God. Be, make sure that you're more grounded in the Word of God, that you're spending more time in the Word of God than you are on Fox News if you want to be sharing an opinion. Make sure that you're spending more time uh, in the Word of God, more time grounded in actual, factual truth than you are watching MSNBC. Because when you have that foundation, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Because you have the ultimate truth. And it all goes back to Scripture. And you, plus Jesus, is always a majority. That's all the time we have left for today. Thanks for being with us. Share your comments, your thoughts, your concerns, your dislikes, your rage. Whatever it is you'd like to comment, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at The Friddle. And I would love to interact with you there. We'll see you again next week. Remember, I will be on vacation. I'm going to take a week off because that's a good thing to do. And uh, spend some time just uh just relaxing looking forward to it so we'll be airing uh my interview with sean hannity on his book live free and die next week if you missed out on that you can catch it next week and you can also get the video edition it is up on the youtube channel you can just google crystal Heath sean hannity it should pop up that way uh or the fertile sean hannity live free or die all that good stuff so we're going to leave you now hope you have a wonderful week pray for your country and uh we'll see you again soon